Minneapolis. Go drop in. It's the moment y'all been waiting for. It's the show where Indy comes to talk. Open lines with Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. We are Indy's hip hop station. Hot 100.9. Hold up. Eight o'clock on a Sunday morning. It is not nine o'clock. We fell back an hour. It is eight o'clock on this November 5th, 2023. We got an extra hour of sleep uh, thanks to daylight saving time that kicked in today. So we fell back. So when you get up, some of your clocks will say eight. Some of them will say nine o'clock. It's eight o'clock Sunday morning. Good morning to you. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Moodle, coming to you live from the hot 100.9 and 106.7 WTLC studios on this Sunday morning in November. Election Day is officially on Tuesday, but you can go early vote today. I think that's what I'll do. I'll remind you where you can go early vote coming up today on the show. Also today, our big topic will be... What happens on the scene of an officer-involved shooting? From the moment the gun is fired to the news people like me arrive to when the public information officers arrive to when the deputy chiefs and chiefs arrive on the scene. We'll find out what happens. We'll open the phone lines so that you can learn too. We're all going to be learning a lot here. In the studio with me today is Deputy Chief of IMPD, Kendale Adams. He is here ready to talk, ready to tell us, ready to teach us, and ready to answer your questions. We'll open up the phone lines with him in just a moment as we go through uh, the details and the processes of what unfortunately is happening a lot in Indianapolis, 14 times this year. So uh, one of the questions people are asking is why is this happening so much? We'll dive into all that coming up. Also this morning, we've got to start the show the same way we did last week, with breaking news. All right, right now on fox59.com, the headlines this morning, two big shootings that are making headlines in Indianapolis. The first one is technically a mass shooting. It happened on the south side of Indianapolis this morning at 5900 Madison Avenue. That's in that Kroger parking lot. IMPD tells us that they received multiple calls of shots fired and directed officers to the parking lot of the GZ Club. When officers arrived, they located five individuals in the parking lot with injuries consistent with gunshot wounds. Medics pronounced one male, unknown if they're a juvenile or an adult, deceased on the scene. Officers provided medical attention to other victims prior to transport to area hospitals. The non-fatal shooting victims' ages and genders are as follows. A 29-year-old male is in stable condition. A 23-year-old female is in critical condition. A 25-year-old male is in stable condition. And another 25-year-old male is in critical condition. The non-fatal shooting victims' names are not being provided just yet. Several businesses in that area, in that strip mall where the Kroger is, were hit with gunshots. Homicide detectives and, of course, The IMPD team is still on that scene here this morning. That one happened just after 1.20. But then 10 minutes later, there was another call, this time on the west side, literally a rock's throw away from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Edwin Court. Police located three people who were shot, two adults and one juvenile. One person was transported in critical condition, while the other two were transported in stable. Police did not specify who had which injury. Police believe a party is connected to that shooting. Uh, There is 
uh, no suspect information to give right now. But all of these details are on fox59.com right now. And, of course, they've got it on air this morning. And we'll keep you updated on what happens in the next hour here live on Open Lines. Unfortunately, I have a great person to ask for the very latest on uh, what we know from these shootings. Those reports came in from 130 and 120, as I said Uh, Deputy Chief Kendall Adams is in our studio this morning uh, originally to talk about um, the processes of officer-involved shootings that we've discussed uh, here on the show. And if you were listening last week, I had said it to, hey, anybody from IMPD who might be listening right now uh, who could give us some some context, uh, let us know. And sure enough, as he always does, uh, Kendall will often reach out before I can even reach out and... uh, no less. He is here uh, on a Sunday morning with us live in studio. So, uh, Deputy Chief Kendale, good morning. Let me see. Hang on. Do it. Say good morning again. Good morning, Cameron. There good we morning. Go. There we uh, go. Welcome to the listeners. There we go. Now I got you. Um, Deputy Chief, unfortunately, two big breaking news uh, stories to start off here with this morning with these two shootings. Is there anything additional that has changed uh, since uh, one o'clock this morning? Yeah, so the uh, incident uh, you referred to earlier this morning where the five people were shot, uh, one um, deceased, we we do believe that's an adult uh, as well. Mm. Um, it was primarily a Burmese, a Burmese party, uh, okay. a Burmese club, Okay, um, and there was a fight that spilled out into the parking lot, and, um, um, you know, shots were fired in the parking lot. So, you know, very tragic. Uh, we talk about gun violence in our community. Uh, you know, obviously here today we're talking about officer-involved shootings, which continues to be a, a challenge in our community. But, you know, really, all in all, we're talking about gun violence. Mm-hmm. And, and that continues to plague our community. It continues to um, uh, permeate itself in conflicts where, uh, you know, they spill over into these unfortunate incidents where people are killed. The, the second incident you referred to uh, actually is a 17-year-old. Mm. Uh, primarily believe that uh, he was shot and killed and may have shot two other people uh, at a party there. So, you know, again, mm. I mean, it's it's just tragic that we continue to see these incidents uh, across our community uh, as it relates to gun violence. Unfortunate indeed, and especially with all um, when you learn more of the detail, but that's part of the process is it changes throughout the morning as more uh, as officers can learn more and get on the scene. The process isn't, uh, is is similar in a lot of ways to what happens at these officer-involved shootings, different um, in some of the things that you're going to point out to us. Um, But the process really starts the same with um, a gun being fired, that call going out over the radio, and crews being dispatched, and that being IMPD crews as well as news crews hear that same call and uh, head toward the scene. So, uh, unfortunately, um, I have been at a lot of these shootings um, here um, and in Phoenix. I was telling Russ McQuay that this literally happened like on a weekly basis. Yeah, if, quite a few. Yeah, if if not more. Um, and they just said, hey, it's, it's the wild, wild west out here. Um, so when this was when we hit uh, 14 uh, this 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 last month, Russ said, I've never seen anything like this. And I've been here in for 35 years, and I said, this is one where actually I have seen this, rest. Yeah. Um, yeah. So w- when that first, when that, when that weapon is fired for the first time, what happens right then and there? 
Yeah, you know, good question. I, I think, you know, when, you know, there really are two tracks uh, that officer-involved shootings traverse. Uh, the one is what, you know, criminal. Um, that's no different than anybody else. Uh, the officer is subject of a criminal investigation. And so the first thing is typically, uh, you know, once the scene is stabilized, uh, you'll have a supervisor responds and they'll get a public safety statement from the officer. Very limited in scope. Uh, and a lot of times they try to get that from the witnessing officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not the involved officer. So so stop right there. So yep. when wh- what officer is first asking that question? Is that a supervisor? Supervisor. OK, yeah, supervisor get on scene. And again, that's just a quick assessment of who just shoot. Are there additional suspects out? Are you hurt? Is a suspect shot? Right. It's just the, that quick information, because mm-hmm. a lot of times when officers are getting there, it, it's very confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know what the perimeter looks like. We don't know, you know, are there additional suspects that we need to be looking for? So usually we'll try to get that information uh, from the witnessing officer. Uh, if the if there is no witnessing officers, just one officer that fired their weapon, then we'll we'll administratively compel that officer to give us a, a public safety statement that helps us determine is the scene stabilized? How big do we need to make a perimeter? Did you shoot into, you know, did you shoot towards that house? Do we need to go check that house? So it just gives us that, that, that first information to get started. And that's usually done by a responding supervisor. So once, once that call goes out, it, it goes out uh, as kind of a, as a high priority because an oh, officer absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I- involved, uh, and and people, there was a time when people didn't get what officer involved shooting means. I'm like, it means exactly what it says. It means yes. an officer is involved in the firing of the shots. Correct. Officer involved shooting. Correct. Um, because when you say police shooting, you don't know it was the police officer shot or. Yeah. So. Um, so when that call goes out, that's one of the, um, you know, that goes across the newsroom. Hey, we, we call it an OIS. We have an OIS over the most recent one um, that you and I were at mm-hmm. was near 25th and Andrew J. Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that when the original shots were fired and sometime in the 4 a.m. hour, because I think I was there sometime in the 5 a.m. hour. Um, and when I'm going that direction, I'm going in only knowing, Hey, that there's a possible officer involved shooting in this area. Um, go. Mm-hmm. So when I arrive on the scene, oftentimes I literally know nothing. I actually always know nothing. Uh, and I say this because our producers, you always hear the anchors say, Cameron, what do you know? And I always want to say literally nothing. I know that there is a um, wide police area. You see the flashing lights, you see the police tape. There's something going on. We have reports of an officer involved shooting. But we learn that via scanner traffic. So mm-hmm. we're listening to IMPD's um, radios. But we don't report everything we heard. I'd be very clear that this is a possible officer-involved shooting. um, But we are waiting to get confirmation from IMPD because there is a uh, line of yellow tape that I will not cross, that I cannot cross. Mm -hmm. Um, And so usually in those scenes, it's me calling the public information officer at 4 or 5 in the morning, whether it be it seems like it's always William Young when something happens, and I'm literally <laughs> yeah he's overnight <laughs> yeah uh, he's like it's never yeah he's like it's never happens when somebody else is on the overnight shift it's always when it's me so usually I'm I'm calling and uh, he's like what's up man I'm like hey I'm gonna say hey well good morning sounds like I just woke you up uh, 
I guess we got an OIS. I'm headed that way. Do you know anything? And he'll be like, yeah, I'm just I'm just now getting up. I got a bunch of phone calls here. So let me get dressed and I'll be on my way. Yeah. So I've beat him to the scene already. Um, usually I call him on the way, but I usually beat him to the scene. I do a couple live reports telling people what I know and what I don't know. Um, now, here's where people start to think that I'll have all the answers. Because my mom was texting me on that last scene and well, what happened here? And why don't you go ask this and go find out? I'm like, that's not how this works. Yeah. I have to wait for IMPD to come. And when we're going to pick on Will today, when Will arrives, he doesn't know what's going on. Right. So he has to go across the line um, to go find out. But something that I've even just learned in, in the recent weeks is he cannot go ask the officer involved any questions to come back to me. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's a good point. A uh, couple couple things there, Cameron. You know, so we don't have uh, like you're working overnight, mm-hmm. right? You're working in the news desk, right. newsroom. Uh, you're waiting on that call. Right. Our, our PIOs, we don't have a 24 hour shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have what's on call, and so after you know, I, I, I guess late sh- uh, nine o'clock, ten o'clock, mm-hmm. uh, the officers we go into on call status, right. which means they can go home, go to sleep. Uh, you know, basically go about their normal lives with no uniform on um, and be on call. So uh, typically when, uh, particularly overnight, uh, we have an officer-involved shooting, uh, one of the PILs will get that page. Mm-hmm. And if it's 2, 3 in the morning, they're they're likely asleep. Mm-hmm. And so they have to get up. They're getting the pages just like, and I'm, I'm in the same situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, myself and the assistant commander for uh, criminal investigations division are on call. So, we, we're getting the page. The page is very preliminary. It just says, hey, officer involved shooting. Officer's okay. Officer's been shot. Officer's injured. Here's the location. Um, that That's pretty much all the information we have. As we're doing that, the scene is still being, you know, it's still being handled, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's, you have to get the officer uh, or the witnessing officer separated mm-hmm. because right now they're going to be a part of a criminal investigation. You have to determine, is the suspect uh, uh, fatally wounded or not fatally wounded? If they're not fatally wounded, uh, then obviously that's, you know, we can slow down a little bit. But if they're just injured, for example, we got to get them to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Same for the officers. Mm -hmm. We have to check and make sure they haven't been, because a lot of times adrenaline is running for Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. and they don't even know they've been shot Mm -hmm. or injured or have strap metal. So they're trying to, to, trying to do that. Uh, additionally, we're trying to uh, coordinate o- or uh, coordinate off the scene mm-hmm. and and really tape it off. Make sure we've got a good perimeter so that when crime lab comes in, we can uh, make sure we got everything squared away in terms of the uh, scene. We're also trying to make sure that there are no other injuries in the house or you know in the surrounding area, mm-hmm. whether it be a car, whether it be uh, houses. All this is going on. Uh, at the same time, we're trying to get body cam uh, uploaded. You know, mm-hmm. that's become a new factor in this world that we kind of find ourselves in, trying mm-hmm. to get the body. You know, that is a uh, um, a process. It's not, you know, sometimes it, we got to turn off the camera. You got to make sure it starts uploading. And if it's a long uh, footage, it's going to take longer to mm-hmm. upload. So, but we've got to make sure officers are doing that. Uh, we got to tell officers to turn off their cameras, you know, so once the scene is stabilized, everything's under control. Because, again, you you know, if you make those videos so long, mm-hmm. you, you won't be able to, you know, it'll take forever to get them uploaded. Right. All this is going on before we even get there, before, a lot of times before you get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyway, once we got this scene stabilized, uh, our cert, 
which is our critical incident response team, which is made up of a, a seasoned group of homicide detectives, uh, will start to respond. Uh, our crime lab uh, will. Hey, Brandon, before you go, it's hot in here. We turn that <laughs> turn that thermostat down. I'm glad the heat works. I'm starting to sweat. Uh, so our crime lab will start. Um, and then, uh, you know, at some point, the coroner's office, the prosecutor's office will start on the criminal side. And let me let me just let me just make sure I've, I've, we've talked about this a number of times. But mm-hmm. people need to understand there really are two different routes that an officer involved shooting goes down. There's the criminal mm-hmm. and then there's administrative. Mm-hmm. Those are two distinctively different routes. OK, the routes we're talking about right now are purely criminal. OK, so just like you and I, if we're charged with a crime. We don't have to talk to, you know, my homicide investigators Mm -hmm. or my robbery investigators. You don't have to talk to them. Mm -hmm. Same for an officer. Because they are part of a criminal investigation, Mm -hmm. they are afforded the right not to provide a statement to um, our detectives. So that's why it can get a a lot of times people say, well, why don't they know everything? Well, a lot of times we don't know because it was one officer, one particular individual, one suspect or victim – that was shot maybe maybe uh, fatally. And so really all you have is the officer statement. So that's why that body cam becomes important. And what we found out or what we have found out in these, uh, you know, even with body cams is it doesn't tell it. it, it sometimes it's blocked. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's at chest level and mm-hmm. everything that's happening is above them. Mm-hmm. So, again, we're trying to get all this information mm-hmm. within a couple hours. And sometimes that sometimes that can take longer. And I just, um, you know, as I talked about the body cam, you know, so one of the things that we're doing with the officers is we're separating, right? Mm-hmm. We're separating the witnessing officers from the target officer. Uh, the officer has to do a gun exchange with crime lab. And when you say target, because that officer is now the target of a yes, criminal investigation. They, if, yes, that's correct. If they've used force, if they use deadly force, uh, they are the target of a criminal investigation. Immediately. Yeah, from, from the onset. And from, I say that because last week there was someone, one of the callers was saying that, you know, the process takes too long before yep. they're, you know, assumed to be a criminal. And it's you no know, literally from second one, you fire that gun. You are the target of a criminal investigation. Innocent and proven guilty. Yeah, that's exactly right. That was great but you are that. a target. Yeah, you are a target. of a, Our investigators are investigating uh, on the criminal side, the side that I represent. Uh, I've been on both sides, been on the administrative side mm-hmm. and the criminal. But the side that I represent today is criminal. They are the target of a criminal investigation. If mm-hmm. they fired their weapon, mm-hmm. they are the target of a criminal investigation. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they are afforded the same rights that any mm-hmm. target of a criminal investigation is. Mm-hmm. It's no different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, they're, you know, that's why I say sometimes it's difficult to tell a complete story because a lot of times there are pieces that we're missing mm-hmm. because the officer's not, uh, you know, has not given us a statement yet. And that's their right. Absolutely. And matter of fact, as a part of their representation from uh, usually an attorney, they mm-hmm. will tell them, hey, we will come in at, at some point and give you a statement. We're not going to do it here. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that that's that that's their right. So um, but, you know, the officer is done. Uh, so we have our police officer support team that usually responds. They are a group of officers that help officers deal with a critical incident. Uh, just just the, the brevity of all that. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, I often say that. um you know, people, you know, because of the because of where we're at in our country with mm-hmm. policing, mm-hmm. you know, there is a quick uh, judgment mm-hmm. <laughs> oftentimes by the community of whether guilt or innocent. Right. And, you know, that can be very, uh, very troubling for an officer um, who has to go through this process because I often say, you know, 
nine, 99.9% of the time, our officers don't get up, whether it's IMPD or across the country, mm-hmm. we don't get up thinking we're going to be in an officer-involved shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, because of what we faced in our country, because of what we faced in law enforcement, it's a very difficult path to have to follow for police officers, not only them, but their families. Well, l- let me read you a tweet that I got. Uh, this was on 1028, so that was probably the... Uh, shooting that we were at. Yeah, it looks like uh, Zach Myers at Fox 59 sent out a tweet said, we continue to follow developments in a deadly officer-involved shooting that involved a suspect claiming, climbing, he said claiming, but he meant climbing into a tree to apparently hide from police. Cameron Moto has live updates on Fox 59 Morning News. Uh, now, a guy named John Thomas on Twitter, and I don't know if he was responding to watching me on TV or responding directly to the tweet, but he said, and he tagged me in it. Please stop reporting on officer-involved shootings like it's a bad thing. Great job, IMPD. Well, yeah, I'll say, Karen. I think any time an officer uses, you know, uses deadly force, I mean, it, it, you know, my hope, uh, my prayer is that is in the preservation of life mm-hmm. to include the officer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think it's good. Uh, necessarily, it's good from a perspective of if you're preserving your own life or right. that of a third person. Um, you, I mean that that's what we that's what we um, give our police officers. That's what they're sworn to do is preserve mm-hmm. life. We mm-hmm. give them the ability to take life mm-hmm. um, in the preservation of their life or that of a third person. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know that it's good uh, anytime an officer uses uh, force. Uh, it, it's a very difficult path uh, to to uh, it, it's difficult to deal with emotionally Mm -hmm. it's difficult to deal with it physically whether you're preserving your life or that of a third person um you know and i and i think we need to be cautious there i think anytime we we take someone's life uh you know it should be uh closely looked at Mm -hmm. i i I don't have any problems with the scrutiny Mm -hmm. i just we have to be uh we have to be realistic that these we're not going to get all the answers in the first two hours right it's just just not possible uh given the the environment we work in. So, um, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad. I mean, obviously, you know, I don't want to see anyone die, whether it be police officer or our community members. But the reality is we've, we as a society, we as a country give police officers that authority. We give them the, the, we give them the confidence of the community that uh, in those rare situations, they can take life. And I would assume just, just from starting uh, that you you're automatically the subject of a criminal investigation and everything that comes with that. No officer is uh, looking forward to having to be involved in an officer-involved shooting. It no. and so it for, yeah. so to that person's it, tweet. I mean, everything about it starts off as bad. bad. Somebody's dead yep. or hurt, and now even if you're still justified, you did everything right. There's a whole process of that you've well, got to. I mean, you know, you talk about it, Kim. I mean, you know, we talk about Brian Leith, who was mm-hmm. killed, you know, mm-hmm. on, on a domestic. We talk about Tommy Mangan, who was shot, mm-hmm. a fleeing suspect. Life changed forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Brian Leith uh, no longer with us. I mean, those those are things that have to flow through an officer's mind. I mean, these are the realities that we face. And you know, I said it when we were on the scene. You know, while most of us 
uh, are in the bed sleep, mm-hmm. uh, not even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, we have officers that, that we ask to go out here and, and really be the guardian uh, between evil and, and not evil. Mm-hmm. And and that's a, that, you know, as we live in a more violent society, we live in a more violent Indianapolis than, than, than it was 25 years ago. I mean, there are police officers out there on the front line every day having to face that. Um, as we talk about these two shootings, I mean, officers are having to go out there, see that trauma, investigate it, try to identify people, try to bring, try to hold people accountable. So, yeah, it is a, you know, I think about their families, mm-hmm. you know, having to call their families and tell them, hey, you know, I've been involved in a police action shooting. You know, I just can't imagine, um, you know, the the scrutiny that these that these officers feel today. You know, I've been on 25 years mm-hmm. and, you know, officer involved shootings have been a, you know, uh, unfortunately, part of our, uh, you know, just a part of policing. Mm-hmm. But to see it today and where we go with it, you know, we just automatically assume police officers are wrong. Mm-hmm. We we jump to conclusions without all the facts. I used to have this conversation with my dad when he was living. Is that you know we watch CNN, we watch Fox, and we got all the, we got all the facts. Mm-hmm. We've already come to a conclusion mm-hmm. that you know right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the and I think we just have to be careful there. You mm-hmm. know. Fortunately, I'm privileged to get more information, mm-hmm. and that's what I try to encourage people to do is just wait. We mm-hmm. have to allow this process to play out. You know, one thing about policing and, and is that here in, here in our uh, city, we're going to be, you know, we have measures to hold officers accountable if we feel like we've done wrong, mm-hmm. right? The prosecutor's office, right? Mm-hmm. The coroner's office, the crime lab, they all are conducting independent investigations in addition to uh, you know, our our own agency who's conducting its investigation. So, I you know, I, I know people want to jump to conclusions and say, why don't you do this and why don't you do that? And and I think Chief Taylor has been very clear that if it is a clear violation, mm-hmm. uh, he's going to take action. Mm-hmm. He's going to take immediate action. And as we've talked on the show, mm-hmm. many know he can't just simply fire someone. Mm-hmm. He All he can do is make a recommendation. Mm-hmm. That's just the way our merit board, uh, our merit process is set up mm-hmm. for uh, police officers here in the city. So I say all that to say that also, oftentimes in officer-involved shootings, we have to get all the facts. Mm-hmm. We have to put together uh, all the facts so that the chief, both on the criminal and the administrative, so one one distinct difference between those two paths mm-hmm. is on the criminal, um, they can't have anything from the administrative side. Mm-hmm. So the officers on the administrative side are going to go in and give a statement, a mm-hmm. compelled statement. The criminal side can't have that. Mm-hmm. However, on the administrative side, they can have everything that happened on the criminal side. They they can have available to them. And that's important because that administrative side is where the chief really gets the full picture okay. of what happened. Okay. Uh, because the officer's giving a statement. He's mm-hmm. saying, why did I use force? And so the chief has to wait till that process is done. There's a report that's generated and put on his desk. He has to wait till that's done to really kind of understand, okay, was this an appropriate use of force? So the, um, so w- when there's there's really three lines of sounds like information from what I'm hearing. So you have the administrative side, which is where Chief Taylor is going to get his information from starting that morning. And then there's the second, the criminal side, which is where, uh, you know, the prosecutor's office is going to get notification on, again, at the beginning, the preliminary details. And then there's the third side, and that's what's released to the public and through the public information officer, which that person is really who the public hears from. I mean, hence the title, through me on TV or on yeah. the radio. Yeah. But, and that's where you're saying um, 
the facts as the public knows them, uh, you while you have the right information, you don't have the, I don't know what the right word is, um, the immediate access to all the details Correct. that the chief may have or that you will get. Well, yeah, so it, it gets it gets complicated. Right. All right. But the criminal side is going to move much. I mean, that's the first process that's moving. Right. On the administrative side, IA uh, mm-hmm. is typically what we call internal affairs. Mm-hmm. Their investigators are coming. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get that statement for probably a week, up to okay. three to five days, three okay. to five business days, because they've got to schedule an officer to come in. On the criminal side, we're not getting a statement at all, typically, from the officer. Now, I will say, uh, on the last couple, uh, the the FOP has allowed the officers to give us a limited criminal statement right there on scene, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's there's some things we just don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I say all that to say the PIOs are getting their information from the criminal side. Mm -hmm. It's mirroring the criminal side. Okay. Because the administrative side is going to take, you know, much, much longer to... A complete before uh, they know all that. So on the criminal side, uh, typically you have the crime lab that's coming, uh, the coroner's office is coming, the prosecutor's office is coming, mm-hmm. the legal representation for the officer, the FOP, our police officer support team, uh, usually uh, the deputy chief or assistant commander of mm-hmm. criminal investigations division, mm-hmm. and then you have the CERT. Uh, so all of those and folks, is what? Uh, critical incident response team. Okay. That's the team that is specialized in investigating, uh, you know, anytime uh, force is used by an officer or against an officer. Uh, it's a it's a group of seasoned. Det- it's a team, basically a seasoned detectives mm-hmm. uh, that they will come out and, and lead the investigation. Um, so they get there. Uh, typically, uh, they're they're. Surveying the scene, mm-hmm. talking to uh, supervisors, kind of see what we got going, processing the scene with crime lab, telling them what information to collect, whether it be ballistic, you know, firearm, mm-hmm. uh, cell phones, uh, if the car shot up, what pictures. Mm-hmm. They're also doing a gun exchange with the officer. So the gun that the officer used mm-hmm. in that use of force is collected as evidence now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're given a replacement gun. They're done a countdown of the uh, of the um, of their uh, fired web or their mm-hmm. fired uh, casings. Mm-hmm. They do an ammo countdown, uh, and then the officer and his um, uh, FOP representative or legal representative is asked, "Do you, would you like to give a limited statement?" Again, sometimes they do. Sometimes this is all at the scene. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Most of the time they don't. Uh, they say, "Hey, we'll we'll get in touch with you. We'll schedule to come in at some point." The officer is usually then. Uh, uh, photographed mm-hmm. as as he or mm-hmm. she was that night mm-hmm. uh, to include body cam. Uh, we take their body cam. We make sure we get that uploaded. The officer is given back the body cam after he's photographed, and then he's he's he or she is allowed to leave the scene and uh, go home and start to process that. Now, are they immediately on some type of leave? Yeah, I was just very good. Yeah, so they leave when they leave. Uh, Deputy Chief uh, of Operations or Deputy Chief Investigations, myself, we will sit down with the officer and explain to them, hey, you are on administrative leave right now, mm-hmm. which means they are they, they they still have their police powers. We've exchanged their gun, mm-hmm. uh, but you cannot take any uh, police action. You're just to stay at home uh, for the next – usually we have up to 30 days per the contract. We have to do something with them after 30 days uh, because of the collective bargaining agreement. So – 
And when you do, say do something, meaning they're okay, now you come work in the office. Yeah, you can come back to admin duty. Uh, you can continue if 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 you're going to continue to be off because you're struggling with the shooting. Um, we can put you on sick leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason that's important is because in that 30 days, uh, they are automatically referred to a psychiatrist who will okay. evaluate their well-being mm-hmm. and give a report to our administrative deputy chief who then says, hey, they have clearance letters or they don't have clearance letters. So is it automatic 30 days? Is it ever 20 days if the officer's it, like, I'm yeah, great? I'm it can be. It can be. It's not just the officer's assessment. It's the it's the assessment of the psychiatrist, okay. right? So it's not just, hey, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go back. No, you know, it may be, yeah, the psychiatrist, you know, we've gotten letters from a psychiatrist that they're good to go, but we said, hey, we have some questions about this. Mm-hmm. We're going to bring them back to admin duty. We're not bringing them back to full duty yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that process can 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 be very fluid. It, it depends on what we know, uh, what f- facts and circumstances we have that make us feel comfortable that, you know, bringing some back to full duty Bringing some, bringing an officer back to full duty is the right answer. We got to go to a break. Phone calls are ringing, but real quick, I'm going to play the music to encourage us to make this answer short. But let me ask you: When you say that they are, um, they have their police powers, but they're on administrative duty, what does that mean that they can do? So, administrative leave or administrative duty? Well, there's a difference, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a difference. Administrative leave means that they are they are. They, they are just basically at home. They're they, at home. They, they have no, um, you know, they can't do any. They're not working. They're not coming to work. Mm-hmm. Administrative duty means they're coming to an office job, mm-hmm. but they're not going out and being, like, on the street. So after the shooting, you first go on administrative leave. Correct. And then you are graduated to administrative duty. Yes, based on the circumstance. Based on the it, circumstance. It can, it can be administrative duty. It could be sick time. Again, if... if we get information back from the psychiatrist that says, hey, this per- this officer's not doing good. We're not going to bring them back to administrative duty. Right. We're either going to transition into sick time mm-hmm. so that they can continue to get services. Or if we have questions about the shooting, right, there's something that just doesn't mm-hmm. look right. Because by this time, again, we're, we're close to 30 days mm-hmm. out. We've got a statement from the admin, so we got a good idea of what's going on. So we may we may have some questions to say, no, we're not ready to bring this officer back. We, we're going to bring him back to admin mm-hmm. duty, but you know they're not going back to street patrols, uh, so to speak. And you can come straight off of leave and go back to street patrols if you're so cleared by the powers that be in that whole process. That yeah, can and, happen. and that's that's totally at the discretion of the chief of police. To, okay. Uh, say yeah, you can come back or no, you know, I have some concerns. You need to stay off a little while. Um, we're we're going to bring you back to admin duty uh, while we continue to investigate the, the circumstance. Okay, learning so much. The phone lines have been ringing the whole time we've been talking. We're going to take a commercial break. Brandon, let's do one big one. When we come back, we'll open up the phone lines, get your questions in. Deputy Chief Kendall Adams is live here in studio. I think somebody said they wanted to hear from leadership at the top more. Well, Leadership at the top is not only on the show, they're not on phone, they're inside the studio with me, and you'll join us on the phone when we come back, 317-239-1009, that's the number to get on the air. More open lines coming up next on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 100.9.
Indy's favorite Sunday morning show. It's the show that brings you news about what's happening in Indy and around the world with Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. It's the show where Indy comes to talk. It's Open Lines with Cameron Riddle. And we are back, and Indy has come to talk this morning. The phone lines are blowing up, so I'm going to give you guys the last half of the show to answer, ask your questions of Deputy Chief Kendale Adams. Um, you know, we started this conversation last week. The show is, uh, is very similar to last week's show where we have a, another mass shooting that officers are working this morning, uh, a shooting on the south side where uh, five people were shot, one person killed uh, in a nightclub shooting, similar to uh, how we brought you headlines this same time last Sunday. Last Sunday's show, we focused on the number of officer-involved shootings that have happened this year, 14 thus far. Um, several, many of them between end of October and the beginning of August. So a lot. And on last week's show, we had invited the concerned clergy to come on to talk um, about their latest call for one chief Randall Taylor to resign. Listeners of this show know the chief Taylor has made it explicitly clear. He's not resigning yet. They've asked for that again. They're also asking a concerned clergy. They would like to see a Department of Justice investigation to come and see why IMPD is having so many officer-involved shootings. Now, I invited the concerned clergy to come on at 830. I'm going to chalk it up to a technical issue or maybe somebody overslept. Uh, so we were able to get um, a representative on in the in the last few minutes, uh, Representative Reverend Antonio Alexander. Um, we had him for about 10 minutes at the show once he was able to to call in. But this morning we have Deputy Chief Kendall Adams here in studio because um, both on TV and, you know, in, in things that you've seen me report on Fox 59, the concerned clergy has said that they don't hear enough from uh, IMPD leadership at the top. Um, at the latest officer-involved shooting scene that you saw me at, you saw me and Russ McQuaid uh, at the same time interviewing Kendale. Kendale, we're sorry for that. Um <laughs> But I'm saying all of this to say that in in my experience, when we have called on IMPD for a question, they show up, whether it's good or the situation is bad. Um, on, on that officer-involved shooting, Kendale was there on the scene. Uh, and this morning, he is here in the studio. So I've said this on the show before. While we have other police departments across the country that are not responsive, that are hard to get a hold of, you might not like the speed at which IMPD is able to give all of the details because there's a thing called process. But I got to tell you, they do show up. We've had Chief Taylor on this show uh, on phone. Anytime I call, he ain't, I've, he's never told me no. Um, I don't know what other people's experiences is. And, and like I said, Ken Dale is here in studio. So I just wanted to point that out. Um, yeah, that. Cameron, let me, let me just uh, amplify two things I think are important. You know, Chief Taylor was actually at the scene of the of, the, of uh, one of the last ones as well. He often does come to the scene, mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, n doesn't always necessarily do uh, the out front stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, usually he's talking to families. Uh, I know in this last one uh, we had a conversation at the scene. So, you know, but there really are two things that I think, you know, well, more than two things, but mm -hmm. I think there, 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 there are a couple things that I think uh, you know, Chief Taylor has been very forward facing. He said that you know we're going to be transparent. You know that's why he has you know assistant chiefs and deputy chiefs uh, to try to get the information, get the information out. But I think Chief Taylor has been very clear 
yeah, that we're going to be transparent, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I reckon there are a couple things that, that really jump out as it relates to officer involved shootings. One is a critical incident video. You know, when we, you know, actually body cams came mm-hmm. on as Chief Taylor, uh, there, under yeah. Chief Taylor's yeah. uh, leadership. I've pointed but, that out before when people <laughs> say there needs to be more transparency under this chief. Well, he, we have body cameras under him. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. We got but, phone calls, too. Yeah, but based on based on that, you know, uh, Chief Taylor developed a process to uh, what, what we call CIV, critical incident video, mm-hmm. uh, that pulls in all the body cam, everything that we know to try to tell an unbiased story. We're not telling a story in favor of the officers. We're not telling a story in favor of the community. We're saying these are the facts as we understand them today. I think that's an important thing that he has he has brought forward. And then secondly, uh, Chief Taylor, shortly after he got in, he he committed to releasing the officers' names. And he's mm-hmm. done that he's done uh, for all 14 of these uh, within five days. Mm-hmm. We do a threat assessment to make sure that the family mm-hmm. uh, of the officer is not going to be threatened. We We talk with the officers about how to protect the social media and those things. But within that five days, uh, Chief Taylor has uh, released those names. And one of the things he does, a lot of people don't know, is he calls the officers and he talks with them about why he's doing, um, you know, why he's releasing the names. So, you know, when you talk about, and and again, allowing uh, the assistant chief and deputy chiefs to talk openly about Mm -hmm. the process, Mm -hmm. I think that's what he, uh, that's all a part of his transparency. Um, He's been very clear and direct when he, believes that something is a foul, uh, something is is definitely uh, wrong, he's going to move swiftly to recommend termination, and he's done that in, uh, in, in several cases. All right, the phones have been ringing. Some people have been on hold the entire show. I'm going to ask you this last question, and the rest of the calls callers get the rest. That last officer-involved shooting that you and I were at uh, was at 25th and uh, Andrew J. Brown. That was with the gentleman who was in the tree. The last question I asked you in the press conference was, um, were you, had you, are you looking for a gun? And when we left, you guys said, we haven't found a gun yet, but we are still looking. That doesn't mean there's not a gun, but at the last thing that you and I discussed was we're still looking. Yeah, we did not find a gun. Uh, we, we worked extensively, went all the way back from where he made the traffic stop. The officer uh, made the traffic stop all the way back to uh, the scene where the officer involved shooting occurred. We looked in the tree. We actually had the tree uh, Department of Public Works come down and cut down the tree. We use mm. drones. We use uh, odor detection, sniffing canines. Um, we use metal detectors. We use crime lab. We use street offs. We didn't find the gun. All right. 317-239-1009. 317-239-1009. We'll be hearing more about that one, I'm sure. All right. I talked enough, asked enough questions. The rest is to you. I'm sorry we didn't do it um, sooner, but there was a lot to learn. Caller on line one. You've been waiting patiently. Who's this? Greetings, Cameron. Hi, Paul. Thanks for your patience, man. I um, uh, <laughs> anyway. Let me let me say greetings to everybody. Um, I just got a letter uh, last week from the police review board, and uh, justifying with the officers how they assaulted me on January the sixth of this year, and um, clearly uh, the time that it's allotted to the police with the lawyers and different things allows you guys to say what you need to say. If the video cam is on and audio is on, in my particular case, the officer clearly said that obviously we're not looking for you. And they were looking for someone in their 20s, had on a yellow jacket, red jacket. I had on a dark jacket. I'm 63 years old. Clearly, I was not the person that they were looking for. 
but they harassed me and assaulted me and all these different types of things. Now, this this so-called uh, transparency, you the police department, you guys are liars. You guys don't care nothing about us in the community. Anytime a person goes for a job that allows you to kill, there's a mental issue right there. So I uh, obviously am upset and I'm mad and I want some type of justice from the Indianapolis Police Department because clearly if the uh, a video and audio was on, then y'all would have heard the police officers and what they said, how they treated me, and et cetera. So as far as you guys being transparent, all of you guys to take time to cover up what your officers do, what they have said. Let me stop you right respond. there, Paul, because we've got the deputy chief here. Okay. Are you familiar with any of this? No, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm sorry that you had that experience, Paul. And, and certainly that's not the experience that that we would expect from our officers. But I would say that you you said something that's critical and you talked about um, that it was reviewed by, I assume you're talking about the Citizens Police Complaint Board, which is yeah. made up of all citizens, uh, and they reviewed it, and they made that determination? Is is that what I heard you say earlier? Uh, yes. Okay, so so let, let, let me let me just jump in there, okay, Paul, because maybe we can jump offline and I can get your information and kind of, you know, uh, track back with you on, on this particular incident. But I would say that they have available all the information that you talked about, body cam, uh, statements, uh, you know, there's a full investigation done by our internal affairs that's turned over to the Citizens Complaint Board. So the fact that you had a group of citizens review that and then determine that there was no, uh, you know, no ill on the officer, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, I get it. You know, you didn't get the outcome you wanted, but does that make it wrong? And, and I, you know, you're saying that, you know, police lie. Okay, well, they, I, I'm not sure how they lie, right? But in this instance, you had a group of citizens who looked at that and then made their own determination. So, I, you know, I don't know what else to tell you. It's unfortunate that, you know, sometimes we don't get the response that we want. And then we just we say the police are wrong. I get that. But I would say as a lifelong resident of this community growing up at 29th and Boulevard, that I care deeply about this community. And I'm not going to, nor is Chief Taylor, Assistant Chief Bailey, or any of the deputy chiefs, are we going to tolerate someone who's lying or, um, you know, trying to uh, disrespect uh, our department. We've worked really hard to try to be transparent. Uh, we're human. Uh, you know, I tell people this all the time. We're human, and we make mistakes. And, you know, we discipline people. A lot of people don't see the discipline that happens behind the scene uh, when officers make mistakes. But, uh, to paint a broad stroke against all law enforcement officers and say that we're lying, we're not transparent, I, I just don't think that's fair. And, uh, you know, in your case, you had a group of civilians that 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 reviewed that, uh, reviewed that information, uh, could could has the ability to subpoena other officers, ask questions. They did that and they came to the same conclusion that that there was nothing wrong. So um, I'm not sure it's fair to get up here and say, well, all police lie. So, Paul, I'll be more than willing to talk to you offline. We can we can figure out where where we went awry there. All right, Paul. I appreciate it. All right, thank you, Paul. All right, three one seven two three nine one zero zero nine. Stay on the phones. It's all yours. Caller online too. Good morning. Who's this? Hi, friend Cam Cameron and uh. That's Kendall in here. Officer. Yeah, you know, know. <laughs> this last call proves my point. People are so desperate, being spurred on by the concerned clergy and groups of that like. They have monetized police interactions. 
they have made it sound like if you get uh, murdered by police, then you can collect money for yourself or your family. It's like going out and uh, having a gun with the officer. We already made the declaration when we have a police department that they can take a life if it's necessary. So uh, no question. But over the years, since George Floyd had even intensified more in Democratic cities, they have these groups like the so-called concerned clergy out there uh, making George Floyds. The more George Floyds they can make, the more uh, the more uh, media they can take, the more uh, money they can go, go, or like Reverend Alexander says, resources they can get to squander on foolishness. The police have an authority. And the I, I law gotta... is for the lawless. And I think that uh, Kendall Adam and them and the rest of IMPD, they're facing grave dangers because of groups like the concerned clergy who have monetized police interaction. And I'm going right, to stop you right the there. I'm going to stop you right there for time, Larry. Larry, Larry, Larry. George Floyds are being produced. Thanks, Cameron. Hey, I just wanted to point out, Larry, you were talking about the concerned clergy. i got to stop you for time, but that is a group that you're a member of, right? Uh, I'm a sergeant of arms of the concerned clergy for many years, and right, so I have the right to ask those questions. All right. I have the right to demand information, which I've demanded from them, and nothing has come back. All right, thank you, Larry. Appreciate you. Good to hear from you, Larry. All right, three one seven two three nine one zero zero nine. Caller on line three. Good morning. Who's this? How you doing, Cameron? Brother, my chest here, and I'll be brief. Kendall, so Deputy Chief Kendall, and I thanks for my call. Appreciate you for at least showing up and. Um, you're going to tow the company line. I don't know. I've asked you questions in the past, and, and, and you, you stay the company line. Uh, first of all, Second Amendment, uh, that is a right. That is a constitutional right. Uh, this state vowed to have no permit. Uh, I have a permit. I have a permit because I, I have a permit. I have a permit because I travel many other states, so I want to make sure reciprocity is there. But to me, it seems like you all are treating everyone armed as illegal, such as the young man shot in his grandmother's driveway, which the police was charged from that. I didn't hear anything. I haven't heard you all say anything about that. Okay. And as a vet, a taxpayer, and a legal gun owner, that's concerning. Second, I disagree with you about people thinking that the police are always wrong. If you read the media, I read 15 papers a week. Maybe more in magazines, but I definitely read everything here, Minnesota, Chicago, everywhere. The media almost always goes on you all's narrative after a shooting, and they publish reports most of the time that you all. And let me here, let me negative. let me pause you. Let me pause you. I'm not gonna hang up on you. Let me pause you. So, as you heard, if you were listening at the beginning of the show, that's why I went into that process. You you just said the media always takes their narrative because they're the only ones that are there. To give the narrative, unfortunately, and I don't know how. To, don't hang up on me. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know how to make this not sound um, insensitive. But the, if the person who was shot by a police officer is dead, well, we can't ask them. Uh, no, and so, I, I, but hold on, hold on, stay with me, stay with me. So, so then, what we do is we ask. All right, you guys were here. Well, in this case, the the public information officer goes to get that information now. I know what you're saying, and I've also followed. I see your tweets when you're talking about the stuff in Israel and reporting what what folks are saying. And so, what you constantly hear me say, if you read any of my scripts, police say, and I'm making it clear that the police are saying what the police did. It's also up to you as the consumer to understand that I'm being explicitly clear, saying 
We talked to the police about what the police did. This is what the police say. Police say they pulled a person over. Police say they tried to render aid. Police say. Yeah, but Cameron, that makes the public think that the police are right. I know that. No, it doesn't. No, you're assuming. No, you are. Lawyer, you're Nathaniel taking. Nathaniel Lee has told me this. Yeah, Nathaniel no, Lee has told me this. But He's told me this. He's, because you're because when especially with these officer involved shootings and we're going to go over time with this for a second but you know with especially I you know I was there when Drejan Reed was shot and if you go find that clip online you even hear me say we talk I acknowledge like sometimes we are trying to not be divisive because I I got emails last week saying that when I was reporting the officer involved shooting at 25th Street that I sounded too skeptical of what the police said so the same criticism that you're saying that we sound too, uh, that we're just taking what they say for granted. At the same time, you're saying that I'm getting emails saying it sounds like you don't trust the police. So it must be somewhere in the middle that I'm doing something right. But you're supposed to do that because the Washington Post has on the front democracy dies in darkness. And Nicole Hannah-Jones, who's a journalist, said if your mother tell the first journalism one on one, if your mother says I love you, verify it. So what what news organizations are doing since George Floyd, they're verified. They're not look at Wish TV and WT. They don't even publish names of people who have been accused of something unless they've been charged by the prosecutor. And then lastly, can uh, uh, Deputy Chief, when cops are uh, uh, accused or arrested of domestic violence, they are immediately arrested. They are immediately taken off. How is it that women got that process started to where when they are uh, allegedly been victims of, of domestic violence, that they are immediately arrested. But when there's an officer-involved shooting, especially if someone unarmed, because you did not find a gun on a guy that's in the tree, that that process takes so long. Because if they slap a woman, they are immediately arrested and immediately taken off. I wish we can get that same process when it's an unarmed person. I'm not talking about armed people or legally armed people. I'm talking about unarmed or legally armed people. That's what I'm talking about because they get it when it happens. All right, I'm a, you've, give, you've given us Thanks a lot to. Th- thank you. You've we given us a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tef, appreciate you, man. I, I know we've had some some spirited conversations around these issues, and I, I'll just say generally, you know, I I, I understand that uh, there is concern about how long the process takes, and and you know, at the same time, you know, we want to give. Uh, uh, ample time to those who are making those decisions, i.e., the Marion County Prosecutor's Office, the coroner, uh, the coroner's office, uh, crime lab. <clears throat> we want to give them an opportunity to evaluate all the information uh, to make the right decision, and that doesn't come quickly. You know, the difference between uh, you know, like you said, a domestic violence and and and, and an officer involved shooting is that we give. Uh, you talked about it earlier, Motep, but we give officers. Uh, the right uh, to take someone's life. And so we have to be able to evaluate that um, against, you know, what is allowable and what's not allowable. And, you know, oftentimes that decision is not, be honest with you, decision not made squarely with INPD. Uh, We're waiting on the Marion County Prosecutor's Office to make that decision once they've evaluated the information. Sometimes they ask us to go back and get additional information or go back and clarify something, go back and talk to a witness um, you know, in, 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 in just, just reality, I mean, they, they also have other cases, right? So they have all these cases and limited a number of uh, prosecutors. So my point is, uh, while we would like the process to be quicker as well, uh, we don't want to get too fast that, that we miss something or, we, you know, we, we fail to talk to a witness or, 
evaluate a piece of evidence. You know, sometimes we're waiting on evidence to come back from the crime lab. That can take uh, several weeks. We're waiting on toxicology. It can take anywhere from four to six weeks. Uh, so all of that to say that um, these processes do take a while, uh, but they it, for good cause. I mean, you, you, you're potentially looking at criminally charging someone, uh, and so you want to make sure that you have all the information you can. And we're over time, but let me just add, you know, when, like I said, I got emails saying that I sounded too skeptical of what the police were saying. And that's because I'm just, I'm very straight to the point. Like, hey, yeah. he said something that there were some holes missing out of the story. I'm not saying that he's lying. I'm just saying, yeah, I don't know. I can't explain how there was uh, shots fired. Then there was a police who officer pulled him over and how we end up in the tree and how the man ended up in the hospital. I don't know how all that happened. So that's just, that's right. just my style right. of reporting. But I just want to point out on a script that I read that I wrote this week, you know, Emotep is saying that we shouldn't take uh, the police for what they're saying at face value. And I'm not saying I take what you guys say as this is what police say. I am not suggesting that anybody is that everything they say is accurate. I'm literally I'm the reporter. I report what they say. Now, it's up for you to listen to what I say. Here's what I said in a script. This was on the officer involved shooting um on Thursday this is where um the suspect at the Burger King um got a hold of an officer's weapon this is what i said according listen to how many times i attribute to where i'm getting my information from i i am getting it from the person i'm talking about the first line i say according to IMPD officers were first called to a man trespassing at a restaurant police say that's the second time they were familiar with that man. So when he ran into Burger King, they didn't chase him across the street. Instead, those officers drove over to the restaurant to try to apprehend him. Here's another one. This is the same script. Police say when they arrived to the Burger King, the two officers tried to apprehend the suspect. IMPD says a struggle occurred, taking both officers and the suspect to the ground. At that point, IMPD says the suspect got out of the officers, got hold of the officer's weapon. IMPD says the man shot one of those officers, grazing his leg. The officer then grabbed his secondary weapon and shot the suspect at least once. Police say he ran out of the building and was quickly apprehended by police. IMPD says officers tried to provide medical aid, but he later died at the hospital. This marks the second officer-involved shooting just this week and the 10th since the start of August. We spoke with IMPD and members of the fam suspect's family. Both sides agree that mental health is a major factor in what led up to the officer firing their weapon. I don't know how much clearer I can be, MOTEP, where I'm telling you where I got the information from. And we're not hearing from the suspect in that case because they were at the hospital. So I'm not telling you everything that they're saying is true. If you decide to take what I say as saying that is true, that's that's up to you. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I lost count how many times I said IMPD says, officers say, according to police, they're the ones who are the subject, but that's also who I'm getting my information from. Take that how you want it is really what it is. Right. <laughs> and I'll just say that, you know, I don't think Chief Taylor, uh, myself, uh, Sister Chief Bailey, or, you, you know, we're just not going to put our professional uh, careers on a lie we're, we're going to try to give you the best information we can and oftentimes like i said i, I mean we talked about earlier in the show it, it's a lot of information coming in at us and we're trying to synthesize all that information and get out the most accurate information now body cams certainly help uh they certainly help tell a story 
But, you know, even with body cams, we there sometimes are some gaps. And because we can't talk to the officer within, you know, we're talking really what we're talking about is just a couple hours after an incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we can't talk to the officer, we don't have a witnessing officer, sometimes we, there are gaps that we don't even know. And it takes time to really find out, okay, what that gap that we're talking about, what happened? And so, you know, but I just want to be clear with folks that, you know, I, I would never purposefully, I would never intentionally, or Chief Taylor, Chief Bailey, any of the deputies, we would never intentionally get up and lie to our community. That's just not something, I'm 50 years old, it's just not something I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to give you the information that I have, which is typically the best information that, w- that we can pull together. And, and lastly, we're, we're over time, and I'm going to start playing the music, but he mentioned Anthony Macklin, the shooting from last New Year's Eve where he was sitting in the grandmother's car, and he said he hasn't heard anything from IMPD on that, and I'm pretty sure we've had Chief, even himself, <laughs> yeah. speak yeah. on that. Well, it, it, and to be honest with you, it, it, it's, it's, they've been indicted. They've been indicted. <laughs> so there is a criminal process going on that, that, that you know, doesn't allow us to really talk about it. I mean, we, we don't want to hurt the case. I mean— Either, either, however you see it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get what, you know, we'd like to just sit down and just talk about it. But mm-hmm. right now, they've been indicted, and so they have to go through that criminal process. Well, I, I, went, I went through that because even my mom always says, don't, don't interrupt the callers, just let them talk. And when they're saying things that we've already discussed and that are completely wrong, I want people, because people are tuning in and out. Uh, to hear, to know that, hey, just because that person said on the radio doesn't mean it's correct. Right. Those officers right. have literally been charged. So right. to say that nothing has happened or we haven't heard from IMPD, we've heard from Chief, and I think we're going to be hearing more, obviously. Um, but I, I love Imhotep to death, but he gets he gets passionate sometimes. Yeah. And, and rightfully and, so. And I've no, you know, yeah. I, I'm not. I, I just think that we have to base it also in reality, and that. You know, we try to be transparent when we have mass shootings, which you know we tell all the information. Nobody challenges us on that. Mm-hmm. But when we have officer-involved shootings, there's, there's, you know, I can understand why people uh, have a challenge, but we try to be as transparent as we can and try to give you all the information. All right, um, the phone lines are still ringing. Uh, this, we probably could have talked for a whole another hour on this, but. Brandon's got to hold down the radio on hot, and we've already bitten to his show as well as the Hour of Power with Al Sharpton. Uh, I know Ken Dale will be back. I don't even have to ask him uh, and the Chief because literally every time I call, they are here. So with that said, we're going to get off the air. I'll see you tomorrow morning uh, starting at 4 a.m. on Fox 59 and at 5 a.m. on CBS 4. want you all to have a great day. Have a good Sunday. Hope you enjoy that extra hour of sleep coming up here on Hot is Brandon and on TLC, the Hour of Power with Al Sharpton. We'll see you back here next Sunday, live at 8.